So what is the impact of autonomous vehicles on the driver shortage? Well, if you go to episode 17, that's letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 17, Graham Robbins from Border Buddy and I talk all about autonomous vehicles, their impact, what it means to the future and the driver shortage. So make sure to check out that episode. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Each week the show is growing and that's all thanks to the love and support of my listeners. So a huge shout out and thank you to everyone that tunes in every week. We could not bring this podcast to you without the support of our community and that includes our sponsors. Border Buddy approached me to sponsor the podcast and I thought it was a no-brainer because I love what they are doing and how they are disrupting the industry. Border Buddy is taking a modern, fresh approach to clearing goods. I have been in the industry for over 20 years, and I have never seen anything like this before. Guys, our industry is changing right before our eyes, and Border Buddy is who you will want on your side, as they are forward-thinking and do amazing things like integrate with your online platforms, including Shopify. And they can clear and help you import your personal shipments as well. Whether you are in the U.S. or in Canada, Border Buddy is your only choice for a partner when you import to North America. Visit them at borderbuddy.com for more information. So today I have another powerhouse woman in supply chain on the show, Ashley Ducek. Senior Director of Distribution for Aritzia. She will share her journey to success, her motivations, her advice, and the challenges she has faced in her career. A former university and professional women's basketball player, Ashley credits much of her success in the business world to lessons learned on the hardwood. After retiring from basketball, Ashley pursued her Master's of Business Administration from Arizona State University, where she completed a dual specialization in supply chain management and strategic marketing and services leadership. Post-graduation, she narrowed her focus to concentrate on multi-channel retail supply chains and has since held leadership positions at specialty home goods brand Williams-Sonoma, as well as women's fashion apparel brand Aritzia. Throughout her career, Ashley has been purposeful in accepting assignments which span across the entire supply chain. She cites that this breadth of experience has been instrumental in achieving a holistic view and understanding of supply chain networks and their complexities. Ashley currently serves as the Senior Director of Distribution for Aritzia, where she heads the organization's global distribution strategy and execution. So let's all get together and welcome Ashley to the show. So welcome to the show, Ashley. I am really excited to chat with you today and to get to know more about your journey. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So tell us how your journey started and did you intend to get into supply chain? So I very much took the scenic route into supply chain. 
Uh, I am a former basketball player, played five years at the University of Saskatchewan, uh, got my psychology degree while I was there, and admittedly, uh, the primary focus was basketball. Uh, I had some aspirations to play basketball overseas upon graduating, so I did that. I moved to Croatia, played professional basketball, and when I hung up the sneakers, I, I was hit by the cold, hard reality that a lot of athletes face. And that's this huge void in my life of what, what am I going to do now? Um, as athletes, so much of your day-to-day is focused around training and preparation to be successful in your sport. And so when that comes to an end, a lot of us just go through this period of, of kind of finding ourselves again. So I moved back to Canada, had, you know, took some entry-level positions and was feeling a little bit stagnant, uh, missed the competition, missed having ambitions and goals. And I decided to pursue my MBA and it was, it was something that I could really focus on. And um, it really brought out my, my competitive spirit again. And I ended up going to Arizona state university. And when I was there, I went in with the intention actually to pursue a specialization in marketing But while I was there, um, I quickly found out that ASU is uh, notably one of one of the top five consistent supply chain management schools and just such a strong alumni network there, such a strong uh, career services network there, strong faculty. And so I decided to do a dual specialization in, in supply chain and marketing and it didn't take me long to realize that the classes I was most engaged in were supply chain classes and I just love the case studies. Um, I just found it so interesting and, and so much fun to learn about. And that's really how the journey started. I love that. I, I'm an athlete myself. I've, I've been playing sports my whole life. I didn't take it to the level that you did, but um, you really find, you know, a sense of yourself and, you know, sort of within that training and the competitiveness and things like that. And it can really translate into supply chain. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just really excited to hear that. And your journey just sounds you know, it just sounds so great. You know, you were you were in sports and then you wanted to take the marketing side, but ended up in supply chain management. And I love that. And I love that how they can correlate and translate into themselves. So what did you sacrifice personally and professionally at each stage of your career? I, I've definitely sacrificed a lot. And I think that's sometimes a misnomer when people look at uh, anybody who has been you know, gotten to a certain level in their career or has seen success in their career is not understanding the necessarily the blood, sweat, tears that goes into getting to that point. So for me, there was definitely a lot of a lot of sacrifice. And probably one of the main ones was uh, me moving so much. So in the last seven years, I've actually lived in seven states and or provinces. So not only is it a nightmare for filing my taxes and keeping any of my admin straight, um, it's obviously impacts your lifestyle when you're always, you know, coming or going. And what that did for me career-wise is allow me to take on and seek out some really great opportunities. So from a career perspective, 
it really, really helped me. Um, but there was definitely a sacrifice on the personal side, just, just moving around so much. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to say, and I love that, that you were so open to be, to, to move to the different, but you said seven places in seven years. Yeah, there was a few, there was a, there was a year that I think it was three moves. So that, <laughs> that increased the number pretty quickly. Okay. That, that makes, that makes a little bit more sense because I, I thought you were in Vancouver a little bit longer than a year. <laughs> um, so on the personal side, then what, what did you sacrifice? I guess moving so much and you're, you're able to sort of f- fulfill that career go- goal, but what did you sacrifice personally for that? Yeah, every time you move uh, and you establish yourself in a new city, uh, not only do you have a little bit of, like, you're the new person in your career and uh, in your workplace, but then outside of work, uh, it's obviously creating that social circle and the other the other pieces of your life outside of career. So if you ask my friends and family, they would say, yeah, that sometimes has taken a back seat for me. And it's actually something I'm still working to balance a little bit better. Interesting. So was it worth it? It was worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you're in distribution now, right? I am. Senior director of distribution. How did you decide to get into distribution? You went and took supply chain management. I mean, distribution is one component of supply chain management. And was there anyone who kind of inspired you to get into the distribution side? So right after or upon graduation from Arizona State, I got um, a position with Williams-Sonoma and they had newly created a program called the Rotational Leadership Development Program. And what that was is a two-year program where individuals would rotate through various touch points of the supply chain. And so it was this very um, intensive program where you really get in and really learn about one functional area of the supply chain, and then you move on and you understand uh, and go learn about another one. So you really get this this good holistic picture of the supply chain and how various functions of the supply chain impact one another. So my very first rotation in that program was uh, in distribution. And I went to uh, City of Industry, so just outside of Los Angeles. And Williams-Sonoma has a 1.1 million square foot facility there. Um, and it's a furniture distribution center. And that was my first experience in distribution. And I was very fortunate at the time that the director there took me under his wing. And within the first couple of weeks, he gave me, so the distribution was split into two buildings and the smaller building was a 230,000 square foot facility um, that did all the receiving, pick, pack, all the operations there. And he took me aside and said, I'm going to throw you to the wolves, run it like you own it. And you you really can't be told anything better from a leader than, hey, I have implicit trust in you. You take this and run it like it's your own. So that was my very first experience in distribution. So it was a very positive one. Um, In terms of, of inspiration, the people that inspire me in distribution are the people on the, on the front lines. So I've worked in a variety of facilities and and anyone that's worked in distribution knows that 
all DCs really have their own subculture and they're all just so different. Even if it's within a single company, all of them have their, their complete own identity. And the one thing that, that they all have in common is a group of individuals that just work so hard to service customers and it's customers, whether it's internal customers or external customers. And the appreciation I have for those people that work on the front lines is immense. Uh, and really, those are the people that, that inspire me and, and, you know, keep me really interested in this field. What an amazing opportunity. Um, and I love what you say about, you know, the, the team that, it, that is on the front lines. And I'll get that into that in a minute. But going back to that opportunity with William Sonoma, I mean, for a leader to just say, you know, take it and run it like you own it. I mean, this is something as a leader myself um, in my past role, I've done with my people and just sort of said, you know, own this, own everything about what you're doing. You own this part of your job, you know, own the wins, own the losses. It's so powerful and so important for development. Absolutely. And I'm, I really am the beneficiary of some, you know, not just him, but several other leaders who've given me the same types of opportunities. Uh, so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, that's, and it's super, super important, including the cross training. I think there's a lot of companies that don't see the importance of the cross training. And I just feel that if somebody is able to, you know, work in the different departments, the different, um, you know, fields of a company to really own it and really find out what they're good at, what they like, what they don't like, you know, instead of training somebody and then they leave for a different opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you see the approach sometimes is, is you keep skilled individuals in a certain area of the business uh, instead of exposing them to, to other parts. And it's, it's very much short-sighted uh, because the longer term upside of, of giving people better visibility is just this higher level strategic understanding of how all functions of the supply chain really interact. Uh, and the more people that have that knowledge and can see how different pieces impact one another, it's ultimately going to benefit the company and uh, the individual. Yeah. And I wonder if that could be part of the solution for the talent shortage, because there's a lot of talk about, I was just at a conference last week, you know, they're bringing up the talent shortage. And I'm just wondering if maybe that could be, you know, part of that solution, you know, especially on the retention side. Yeah, that's, that's a great call. Uh, because the shortage is, is very real. And it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime quickly. And so, so employers definitely need to be, you know, accountable for creating an environment uh, that retains people. Yeah. And you also made another good point, you know, about ins being inspired by your frontline employees. I think that for, you know, a lot of leaders to take note of that and really, you know, get to know your frontline employees, you know, what they like, what they need, what they don't need, because that's also where the talent shortage is coming from as well. I think that's super important. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's get into more of your journey in supply chain. What has been the most rewarding part of your journey? So I mentioned some of the, the great leaders that, that I've had and uh, similar to, to what you mentioned and how you um, lead your team. I try and do the same in terms of development of people. And I've noticed that 
you know, you can take career successes um, and they don't really compare to any successes that I've had with uh, helping to grow people. So that's definitely been the, the most rewarding part for me. I've tried to work a lot with with younger people that are coming into the industry. And uh, dissimilar to me is I really stumbled across supply chain and, and uh, a lot of people stumble into it. But the, the positive side is you see a lot of a lot of younger people now making the choice to get into supply chain at an earlier age and going into university, uh, knowing that they want to pursue it and taking internships. And so they're really setting themselves up for a very long, successful careers in the industry. And the most rewarding part for me is to help those people um, really groom their careers and create a path that is fulfilling for them. Awesome. Awesome. So can you give us a real life experience or example of something you did or a fear that you overcame to get into the position that you are today? And the reason why I ask this is because I feel like, and we've talked, I've talked about this um, in other women in supply chain um, series with some other women that have come on the show. And, you know, it comes up that women will not go for a job unless they're sort of, you know, 100% qualified versus a man at 80%. And I just wonder from, you know, this question, you know, how, what you had to overcome or, or maybe um, think about when, in your current position. I think, I think something that I've really had to overcome is the natural tendency for myself to not have the difficult conversations and to sometimes internalize some of my thoughts and feelings. And I've, in the last few years, I've really gotten away from, from that. And I think that's largely just due to some of the experiences I've had and learning that being very open and candid in, um, in my conversations makes life in general, so much easier. So I, I used to probably keep things a lot more just in my head uh, rather than communicate openly and honestly. So I now uh, am very transparent, very candid, and try to be very authentic in um, just expressing. And I think that's really helped me in my career in terms of where I want my career to go. Um, if there's certain things with potentially a manager or a coworker or someone on my team, if there's a difficult conversation, I'm completely willing and able to address that now. And that was something I probably wasn't able to do before. Uh, and it was something I needed to get good at in order to get where I am today. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, you know, for everybody sort of taking a look at position and, and maybe thinking that they're not a hundred percent qualified, but you know, the hard conversations or being open to asking questions, right? You, you, I, I would be pressed to say that you're expected to know absolutely everything all the time. And I think we sort of set expectations for ourselves. And I just think even if you go into, you know, the job opportunity and you might not know absolutely everything, just be open to asking the questions. And that might be a hard conversation to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to your point on, um, on females not uh, applying for those, some of those positions like male counterparts do, I, I think, you know, it's, it's becoming more popular, the phrase imp or the theory of imposter syndrome. 
women having more self-doubt or dismissing skills and abilities. And I think that's very real. And I see it all over the place. And it is not uh, just young females. It's females at all stages of their career. Uh, And I do see it very frequently. I think it tends to pop up in industries that have historically had uh, more males in leadership positions. And it's even something, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not immune to it. My way of combating it has been, you know, taking risks and having to check myself sometimes and say, you know, am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this way? And really stepping back uh, in the situation. So, you know, as we build our careers, we're really just adding tools to the tool belt. So what will be the biggest challenges for the generation of women behind you? One of the biggest challenges from, from my opinion is uh, the lack, the lack of role models. And I'll say that in, you know, you just look at stats, uh, less than 5% of fortune 500 CEOs are females. And arguably that role is the pinnacle of positions in business and uh, there's just such a disproportionate um, number of, of females compared to male counterparts. And what that leads to is just fewer role models and fewer leaders for uh, younger females to emulate their careers after. And I think the important thing for us as, as females to do is to really create that professional support network. Um, and to, you know, continue to help other females rise, rise into some of those positions. I was very fortunate at Williams-Sonoma, um, CEO Laura Elber, um, such, such a great leader, uh, regardless of gender, just such an inspirational leader. All of my interactions with her have just been absolutely in awe of her smarts. Uh, of her grit, of her expertise. And so I had that person that I could look to and, and you know, really aspire to be like. Um, but there's there's not a lot of them out there. Yeah, I, to- I definitely hear you on that. And I think that the mentorship side is going to be super, super important for us to grow, you know, the next generation, whether it's female or male, um, to really take on the supply chain challenges that are just going to continue to grow with the, you know, the emergence of the technologies. Um, you know, when it comes to female leadership, though, is there any significant barriers that you see to actually maybe not, you know, from the generation behind us just starting out in supply chain, but just in female leadership in general? I think there are barriers. And I think one of them uh, that I mentioned before is is the self-imposed uh, barrier of women's potentially not stretching ourselves and having that self self doubt and not taking those stretch assignments and not you know necessarily adding those tools to the tool belt that are going to take us to the next level and. I mentioned I'm not immune to that either. And I've had points in my career where I've been given assignments that scared me a little bit. And over time, 
as I've been able to take those assignments and, you know, be able to finish those assignments or do really well in those assignments, I've gotten confident uh, in my ability to just holistically solve problems. Uh, because that's what business is about. It's you're never going to get the same problem over and over again. Um, it's about being able to take a problem, synthesize the information, break it up into its component parts and tackle the problem. And as you take on more of these problems, you really do build up a sense of confidence. So I'm at the point now I can recognize uh, when I'm starting to feel that way. And instead of it scaring me, it actually excites me because I know this opportunity is one that's going to stretch me. This is going to let me add another tool to the tool belt. I'm going to be better at the end of the day because of this one. But in terms of women leadership in general, uh, you do see um, sometimes an apprehension to get out of the comfort zone. Yeah. And I think there might be some other, like we talk about, you know, mentorship and different things like that. But I also think, you know, what about building up your network around you? You know, having some accountability partners, not just a mentor, but somebody who's going to say, no, hey, like you've got this, you know, you just need to have the right people in maybe your network that you can ask questions to. That's that's so true. And I actually had uh, something come up with me and it was a couple of weeks ago and it happened to be someone that had worked for me in the past and we have that relationship and I was able to explain my situation and, and she actually had to keep me in check. <laughs> she said, you know, Ashley, if this was me, you would have told me X, Y, Z, but you're not doing that. And so she really held me accountable and everybody needs a person or a group of people uh, to keep, to keep them accountable and be able to provide objective advice Absolutely. And I also think with the with the self doubt, you know, if you if if you're really feeling that or think that you have maybe a lack in a certain a certain area looking at different opportunities that are coming up, there's always that education component too. I mean, if you want to take a look at education to sort of say, hey, you know, this could fill in my my gap, um, I could take this this course and that's going to give me a little bit more confidence as I go into that role. Absolutely. And that's definitely been a go-to for me. And it's, it's not necessarily the education piece, but it's other where it is education piece. Um, and it might not be specifically a course, but a podcast such as this one <laughs> or other podcasts out there. Um, and I actually listen to a podcast every day while I'm getting ready for work. I realized it was like, well, I'm putting my makeup in the morning. I could be listening to music or I could be learning a little bit about something. So I started podcasting while, while I get ready for work. And there's so much, you know, with, with the internet, there's so much information that's really readily available to everyone. Uh, so holding ourselves accountable to continue to educate ourselves is, is so important. And there's really, there's really no excuse not to. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially with the podcast, right? If you have a little bit of a gap um, that, or that you think that you have a gap in, in the education for a certain opportunity, you can actually go on and see if there's a podcast on that, on that topic and learn a little bit more just to boost your confidence a little bit. And that's actually probably a faster and easier way to do that. It's so true. Yeah. 
So let's get into some of your advice then. We've talked about some of the challenges. You have given a little bit of advice, but if you had any more advice to give to supply chain professionals in general, what would that be? I think the main piece of advice is is our industry is so dynamic and it's changing every day. And so it's really about keeping your skill sets relevant. And so depending on where you are in your career, that, that might mean something different. But it's ensuring that you understand technology and you are attending conferences, you're reading and really staying in the know because the industry is just changing too fast for people to really rest on their laurels um, and not continue to educate. Absolutely. So before we wind this down, and I hate to go because you and I are having an amazing conversation and I think our listeners are just going to love it. What's next for Ashley? What's next? So if I, if I told you what was next, the only thing I can guarantee is I'd be a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> and I think that's, that's just the way I've handled my career thus far. And, and I've always given myself permission to really live in real time and, and live in the moment. And as our industry is, is so dynamic, like I mentioned before, um, I, I've, I hesitate to set five year or 10 year goals because I know I don't actually um, think the path to get there is probably a direct one. So my strategy has, has been to seize opportunities as they come and and be very open. And that's, you know, why I've been flexible with moving around geographies. And um, it's really helped me in my career. So I think when when we look at what's next, it could be a a variety of different things. I'm actually um, love research. I sometimes spend way too long when I get interested in a topic. So I've, I've even thought about academia at some point, uh, potentially a PhD. So um, the only thing I know is that it, I probably don't know what that is quite quite yet, but it'll definitely be in the industry as I'm I'm very passionate about it. Well, I love that. And we can all follow you. I mean, so much great advice. I always love hearing the journeys to success and how the path to su- the path to supply chain and success is never straight, which is what you just said. But even though it's never straight, it's always interesting. I will have all of the information so that you can follow Ashley on her journey. And that's going to be at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 18. So thank you, Ashley, for coming on the show and sharing your story, your advice, and for being a woman in leadership that we can all look up. Thank you, Sarah. It was my pleasure. If you liked this episode, go and check out the Women in Supply Chain series, part one through seven. You'll hear more from other powerhouse women about their journeys, advice, and their passions in supply chain. Next week, John Hansen is here, and we are talking about digital transformation in procurement and how it all starts with the culture of your company. I have an upcoming event to tell you all about. So do you care about the health of our oceans? Meet Terra Expeditions Foundation Executive Director, Romaine Troublet.
who has spent the past two years conducting research in the Pacific on the evolution of coral reef biodiversity in the face of climate and demographic change. Terra scientists will share their findings and experiences crossing the, gr the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, the largest of five plastic jeers, with Portland audiences on July 9th at Challenge 2018, Solutions for a Sustainable Future. So if you live in Portland and you want to be a part of this amazing event, make sure that you go to um, challenge2018.org. This is a free event and, to, and you need to go to that URL, um, that website to request an invitation. It's going to be amazing. They're going to have executive director of Green Blue, author of The Purpose Revolution, um, packaging and product innovations for a sustainable future, which is going to be the most interesting part for our supply chain professionals. So make sure to go and check that out. That's challenge2018.org. If you want to know more about the transportation platform my team and I are working on, sign up at ships, that's shipz.com to be one of the first to know when we launch. Remember to send me your supply chain stories, whether they are funny, but clean, um, success stories, inspirational stories, fun stories, crazy stories, send them to listener at letstalksupplychain.com and rate and review the show on iTunes so other people can find us and I will feature you on the show either for your review or for your story. But if you send me both, I will feature you for both. I hope you all have an amazing day and amazing week. And remember everybody, ship happens. 